Hey there, welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast with your host, me, Betsy Jewell. Today, I am welcoming back to the show, Cindy LaJoy. If you're a loyal listener, you might remember Cindy from episode 11. Cindy's the founder and Facebook group administrator of the Blue Collar Homeschool Group. This Facebook group supports and encourages homeschoolers whose kids are headed toward work or trade school or another path after high school. Numbering almost 10,000 members, the group offers a wealth of information seldom talked about in homeschooling circles. As a member of this group, I can attest that the conversation within this group is really engaging, and I learn something every time I go in there. Cindy's been a featured guest on many podcasts and is a contributor to two books. Cindy has spoken in numerous forums on international adoption, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and developmental delay as well as homeschooling. Cindy is a certified job coach for those with disabilities, a special education teacher, and academic advisor with True North Homeschool Academy. She's also a videographer and a ministerial intern. Cindy loves helping people learn about a different kind of homeschooling excellence and helping others broaden their horizons as they think outside the traditional college box. I'm thrilled to have Cindy back on the show. She always brings great information and adds so much value. Let's get started. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for coming back to the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Thanks for having me, Betsy. I'm so excited to talk to you again. It's been it's been a while. I mean, I'm in your group on Facebook, so you know, we've been chatting that way, but you were on your first time here, you were on episode 11, which was really early on in my journey. And here we are over a year later, and I'm really delighted to have you back because the world that we live in now is very different than it was last we spoke. And I'm sure you're going to be able to add a lot of value for my audience. But before we get started on our conversation, for those who missed episode 11, please go back and listen to it. But in the meantime, I'm going to let my wonderful guest, Cindy, give a quick introduction about who she is and what she does. So um, I am Cindy LaJoy. I'm the mom of five now young adults because (laughs) since we last talked, I have one who um, has moved on to college classes who is my youngest. Um, So all my kids have... um, graduated or are graduating, but have moved on from um, homeschooling. I'm actually done. Um, And um, I run Blue Collar Homeschool, which is a website and um, a Facebook group for families with kids who are headed into careers or trades or military right out of high school. And um, we homeschooled all five of ours for a dozen years. And um, as I said, just, just finishing up. And um, so we provide at Blue Collar Homeschool, we provide resources and encouragement for families whose kids are not college bound. Um, And the world doesn't always respect that. And so we're a place where people can come and share and ask questions, whether they're in homeschool or not, um, and find resources that they may not even know were available. So, um, yeah, we have uh, we're pushing 10,000 members. We're almost there. And um, the website's getting ready to be redone this year, and we'll have even more resources, but we still have quite a few up there right now. So, Yeah, I, I've watched your group grow over the past year or so, just as I've been a part of it. And I will say this too, you know, I'm in a number of Facebook groups, but 
I think I said this last time you were on, your group is so engaged. The members, they're so helpful to each other. There's so much great discussion. It's real. It's such a wonderful resource for parents. Well, thank you. And we try to keep the drama down. Um, a lot of Facebook groups tend to be filled with drama and all of us are there for a real strong purpose. And um, don't feel that there's a need for that. It slips in once in a while as it does. But um, overall, it, it's... It's a group where everybody has felt like they didn't fit in someplace and here they fit. And it's okay to admit that their kids aren't doing what some of the college bound kids are in a lot of places. They have to be quiet. Yeah. You know, they can't always speak up without fearing being judged for that. And um, we should never be judging for that. So yeah. it's nice to know that that's the way the group comes across. Thank you. For that. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. I love interacting and, and even just reading some of the conversations that happen. It's been really helpful to me. And I mean, I'm not homeschooling my kids. I, I think you know this. I, if I could go back and do yeah. it again, I would probably do it differently, but it's never too late. I actually have a friend who's thinking her son is starting high school and she's thinking about leaping into the world of homeschooling. And I think, not I think, I know in the climate that we're in right now, a lot of people have pulled their kids out of school and are homeschooling. And that looks very different depending on who the family is, right? And I mean, some of them are doing it online. Some of them are unschooling. Absolutely. So I thought today would be a great opportunity for us to talk about what it's like to homeschool, especially for teenagers, because for many of them, they've been in school or not um, up until high school, and it might be a big change for the family. And I know that you have so much experience personally in this area, but also you know, with your community and who better to give tips to parents than Cindy LaJoy. <laughs> Well, thank you for overselling me. I appreciate that. Um, well, I will say that um, those of you who complain about having teenagers, try and have four of them that are a year and four months apart. Um, yeah, our, our oldest four are a year and four months apart. That was not planned there. All of our children are adopted internationally. And um, we actually didn't know until when adoption was complete that one of ours was older than we were told. So... <laughs> We um, we ended up lumping them together in ways we hadn't envisioned doing, but you know there we were. What do you do? Um, I would a lot of the tips that I'm going to share. Some are really homeschooling specific, and some I think are just ways that I have found work really well for working with teens. Um, I'm also working as a as an educator for another young man who is um, on the autism spectrum. I've done I've run youth groups. I've done lots of work with teens, and I will say this at least for our family. My tips that I'm going to share with you made all the difference in the world. No one is going to believe this when I share it, but you can ask my kids. They would absolutely affirm we didn't have a single fight amongst our kids the entire time growing up. I have never really had a major battle with my kids when they were teens. We just really didn't. And I hope that some of these tips can help people think a little differently about teens. You know, they get a bad rap. And Part of that's because we want to view them as so different and sure they are different and their brains are developing. But my first tip is it goes right to this and it's offer your teens the same level of courtesy and respect that you offer any other adult. And we don't. In general, we look at them as lesser, lower quality human beings. I mean, no one wants to admit that, but there's a reason teens get a bad rap. Um, but I would add that this also starts far younger than the teen years. Your kids should have your respect as a human being from day one. Um, I tended to always remind myself 
that they were simply inexperienced human beings. They weren't less than, they weren't stupid. They didn't have the experience in the world. And um, they're, if you, if you viewed, viewed an inexperienced adult, um, you would not view them the way you do a teen. You would never treat them with the kind of disrespect that teens often get treated with. If you were on a job and somebody came in and was new, you would treat them with respect, but recognize you probably had to teach them a few things. How many parents actually view their teens that way? Yeah. Too few. Yeah. Way too few. Um, teens are budding adults. They are not, quote unquote, still kids. And losing their respect means you totally lose their cooperation. And honestly, you should. Respect, it should be always offered. And if it's not, why should your teens listen to you if you treat them as lesser human beings? Um, that doesn't mean you don't discipline, not implying that at all. But, but we all know when someone isn't respectful of us. We all feel it. Even if they don't say it, we can know when we can sense the rolling of the eyes. And I get that teens can be sometimes frustrating because their brains aren't fully developed. But unfortunately, sometimes we take viewing them as kids too far and too long into their teen years. Instead of viewing them as budding adults moving for something, we look at what they were, what they came from. And I think that that's a really important um, distinction in teens who tend to be more cooperative and teens who don't. And it's actually kind of simple because when you look in the adult world, you see exactly the same thing on a job. If someone is not treated with respect, how do they act? Why would you expect your teen to act any, any differently than any adult you know? Most of us, we, we, we give respect when, when it's given to us. Right, right. No, that's great. And I think you're absolutely right. I think we look at teenagers as, you know, aliens sometimes. I mean, I joke about that. You know, I, I joke that they went to bed and woke up you know, from planet Mars, but a lot of, you know, <laughs> we have all the hormonal issues and the, you know, the shrugging and the, but you know, we all have bad days too. So I, I love them. Yeah. And it's interesting, Betsy, how we sometimes have a different standard for our kids than we do even for ourselves. Yep. We allow ourselves that and we offer grace for that. We sure don't with a teen. It's all of a sudden, oh, look, they're being a typical teenager instead of they're a human being having a bad day right. who's learning how to regulate their emotions. It's like inexperience. That's all it is. Yeah. But we don't ever really view it that way, do we? Nope. We sure don't. Okay. <laughs> and that's unfair. I'm going to, I'm going to exactly. implement this. I I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to number two. Um, and that is, and a lot of people would argue with me over this one, but don't do anything for them that they can actually do themselves. From the youngest ages, if your child is four and can make their bed, no matter how messy it looks, if they're making the attempt, let them do it. It's no different. You know, we often get that for the toddler years, but we don't get that for the teen years. Um, and maybe it's because it feels like the risk is higher of screwing mm -hmm. up. Um, letting our kids have the natural consequences from trying things and making a mistake or two and not being the one who says, I told you so, but says, well, so you learned that lesson. Let's move on. You figured it out. That's what I have to do as an adult too. constantly pointing towards the, the behavior and the, the presentation that you want them to have an adult presentation in the world. Um, if they have the capacity, they ought to be handling as much as possible on their own. And you're coming alongside for encouragement, but not taking over. Mm. 
you don't need to, for those who have kids in extra classes or anything else, be it homeschooling or not, you don't go to the teacher if the kid's having a problem when they're 13, 14, 15. You explain to them, this is how adults handle this. This You can do this. You need to go talk to that educator and explain what your challenge is or ask them for help or whatever. Mommy doesn't need to get involved. Um, there are so many parents who even, you know, call to get the interview for the kid for the job. How is that helpful? And um, kids develop an enormous sense of self based on how you um, sense who they are yeah. and project to them who you think they are. If you project to them that you think they're capable and confident and give them opportunities to try on real things, they're going to surprise you. Um, and encouraging their self-image as a budding adult, not as still a kid who can't figure it out, mm. um, changes everything. Changes everything because the child begins to see that you are are not going to hold them back and keep them a child in your mind forever, and they're going to have to buck against that. Yeah, and I I think part of it too is one we don't want our kids to grow up, right? <laughs> well, there is that for sure. Yeah, there's that that heart piece that's tough to let go a yeah. little bit. And part of it, if I'm being honest, is control. Right, we're losing control over the decisions they make, the places they go, the people they see. And that, but that's on us. That's not on them. We have to learn to let go. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you. My third tip is, and I think this is a really, really important one. And I saw a tremendous difference in our kids when I became consciously aware of trying to do this on a regular basis when they were in their young teens. And that is ask their opinion on everything. Mm. I mean, everything from household purchases to financial decisions your family makes to vacation plans. When you ask someone their opinion, you tell them, I value the way you think. And I value what you have to say. In other words, I respect you. And I'm going to share. We um, we did a house project. We bought a um, a home and remodeled. It was a, a repossessed modular home, and our kids remodeled it. It was a homeschool project. I'm not going to go into that, but we made a profit. And we told the kids. And my kids at the time were, I think, maybe nine or ten to fifteen, and we made a profit on the, on the project enough to put a roof on our house. We needed a new roof and then we had money left over and we were going to buy living room furniture. And we were looking and prior to having the cash from this, um, we had gone looking at a furniture store and I was drooling and dreaming and wishing we had money to do it. This was prior to that, that little windfall of, of a profit. And my son who then was 13 looked at me and said, mom, is that a want or a need? Do we want it or do we need it? Because that's a lot of money. 
And I looked at him and said, doggone it, I raised you too well. You're right, Kenny. I don't need to be spending the money right now. And later, two years later, we gave them the cash and said, you go pick out the furniture. You live in this house too. You, you're wise. You're good with money. Even those who were younger said, you're, you know, you can figure this out. And all five of them, we said, we get, we get a final say because, you know, we're still the parents. But you go look. And we went to two or three furniture shops. They picked out all of our living room furniture with the money that they had really basically earned. And they furnished my living room and we all loved it. But we all really had a collaborative experience. But they knew their opinion really, really mattered. We have asked them, gosh, we have done, we've asked them two or three times about really important business decisions, um, like big, big business purchases. We sat down as a family and talked it through. We ended up, um, there was a building next to our business we were considering purchasing. We, My husband and I didn't make the decision. We sat down with our kids and said, here's the cost. Here's what we might have to come up with if we can't get a renter. Let's lay it all out. And we all hashed it and said, we really want some help making this decision. And we were serious. We, of course, had a sense of what we should do, but I wanted to hear another opinion. And you know what's interesting? When you give your kids the chance, they're going to surprise you. They're going to do far more deeper level thinking when you give them the opportunity to practice it and get good at it than you ever think they will. By the time they're 14 or 15, if you've done this at seven, eight, nine, which sounds silly, but we did. Um, they're going to be really good decision makers and they're going to be able to weigh a lot of information and then make a decision based on evidence in front of them. But also it really tells them, I trust you. I think you have good judgment. I respect your opinion. Um, and if you want to raise a leader and someone who's not a follower, you have to do this stuff because otherwise you end up with, unless somebody's a natural born, because um, there are those out there, but they need to have made bigger decisions and contributed and collaborated so that they can have the confidence to make them when they have to make them by themselves and they get good at it. Um, so we did that regularly and my kids were very invested in a lot of the decisions we made and often talked us out of things that we would have probably made a mistake with. I will admit that one. Um, and also you can, and some people say, yeah, well, what if your kid comes up with something really crazy? It can happen. You know, I mean, they're young, <laughs> but again, they still need the opportunity and they need to know that you want to hear it. And um, one of the things that we did when once in a while an answer came out or a suggestion came out that we thought wasn't really as appropriate, we can always override it because we are the parents. Um, but you do so by giving them a balanced um, explanation for why, laying out the pros and the cons as you've sort of understood them and thanking them for their valuable input which helped you come to your own conclusion and explain that a lot of times hearing multiple perspectives clarifies your thinking, even if it means you don't go with what, what somebody said. And that can be the most valuable. Yeah. Yeah. What an important message for them to understand, you know, all points of view and see it from different sides. And I have a rule that I try not to say no, unless I have a really good reason to say no. So if they want to do something or like my son wanted to get his ears pierced and at 15 and I was like, okay, well, yeah. And I couldn't come up with a good reason to say no, I just couldn't. I just said, you have to understand that you may get a job at some point where you can't have earrings in your ears or there yeah. might be a situation where you have to take them out. But other than that, I don't really have a good reason to say no. So I didn't say no. Well, and too often we default to no first. Right. Why don't we default to, let me think about this for a minute. Yeah. 
And, and I've done the same thing, Betsy. I, I, when I, they were young, I started telling myself when I caught myself saying no, because maybe something would inconvenience me right? or maybe I just didn't like it. Well, that's actually not a good enough reason. Right. <laughs> now I can, I have a couple times gone to my kids and said, you know, I don't even have a good reason. And I really want to say no, but I probably should say yes. But I would feel more comfortable if I said no. How do you feel about that? <laughs> and you know what? They gave in to me because they wanted me to feel comfortable. But also that's years of respect building that they could then say, I'll let this one go because that'll make mom feel better. Right. So let's move on. Um, another one of the, the tips I have, um, and this one is more homeschooling oriented. And this one, oh my gosh, I wish I could just convince every single parent to do this. This was so crucial to us. Read alongside your kids all the way through graduation. Read, 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 read important things, read things that that stimulate conversation and discussion. You know, when a kid hits about fifth grade and is reading pretty fluently and has developed some vocabulary that's a little higher, we turn them loose and say, go read and we'll buy you books and we'll take you to the library. But we stop um sitting with them and partnering with them as they read. And I did this with, I have two kids who are gifted and three who really struggled. And one of my gifted is twice exceptional. I have them all over the map. I was blessed to be able to read with my kids all the way through graduation. And it, it created opportunities for conversations like we would never, ever have. And um, another thing is that when you read increasingly more challenging material with your kid, you can bring them up a notch further than where they might be able to do it on their own. Um, we model how to pronounce words if we know how to pronounce them, or we model look it up real quick on the dictionary and see how to pronounce it. Um, we can explain concepts in more adult material. We can um, ask questions that help them develop more logical thinking by asking them per to predict or what their opinions are about things. Um, reading alongside your kids for as many years as, as they will allow. But honestly, if it just becomes the family tradition, it just the way you do it, you know, um, changed everything for us. I love that. I used to love to read aloud with my kids. I'd read a page, they'd read a page. We'd kind of go back and forth when they were younger. And I'll be honest, I miss those days, but, um, that's a really, really good piece of advice. Um, so final tip. This is, I'm going to sort of go for homeschooling and public school with this one. Expose your teens to as many electives as you can possibly do. Not the frenetic pace of we have to do something every single night for three hours. Um, but I would add, even if academics have to be cut back a bit, I get some kids are headed for college. I get the competition there. I'm sorry, remove it, period. You damage your kids. You don't need to make college a competitive sport. And that is exactly what it has become. I am, you know, I run the blue collar homeschool group and I believe passionately in all paths. We are not anti-college, but what I am is anti-rat race when I'm 12, thinking about, oh my goodness, am I going to get into college at 12 and, and packing the schedule with an, an inordinate amount of volunteerism and AP classes and study hours and homework to the point that the kid doesn't even have a life from the time they're in middle school. We are losing critical exploration time with our kids far, far too young because we're pounding the academics far, far too hard. And they've lost valuable exploration time. The, the electives that we do in school, the clubs we join, 
not because we're trying to make something look good, but because we're actually interested. They are life changing. Um, and, and they help us, especially at the high school level, figure out maybe what we want to do. Yeah, the exploration piece is huge and it's not happening often enough. And you're right. I, I love, I use the word expose a lot. I, our kids are not exposed to these things. So how will they ever figure out what they like if they don't get the exposure? And then at 16, we tell them, okay, what do you want to major in in college? Right. Which is so asinine. I'm sorry, it just is. You know, when you think back 50 years ago or 30 years ago, when some of us were in high school, it wasn't like this. Mm-hmm. The pressure on our kids now to impress us all academically is causing incredible damage. We're losing the exploration time. We're losing the the who am I time to figure that out. And then we pressure them to tell us who they are before they've had the chance to explore and figure out who they are because we cut it off. Because we told them they have to be a great student. Anything else you do doesn't matter. You got to be a great student. I am all for excellence in anything we do. But that means anything we do. And we ought to be doing lots of different things. But, you know, one of the things I keep thinking of is we also underestimate the value of a lifelong hobby or avocation that we discovered in the teen years. Like think about kids who were in choir in in school and then they end up singing in church for the next 50 years because they discovered something that they love that fills them up. Are you going to tell me that doesn't matter? It matters hugely. It changes your adult life forever because you have something that that brings you joy, that takes you out of the work world and all your troubles, something that like fills you up. It can be anything. It can be a hobby with radio controlled cars, for goodness sakes. It can be learning to sew. It could be cooking. Lots of kids today, it's cooking because of cooking channels, right? right. Um, we devalue those pursuits too much unless they beef up, you know, the college application. Mm-hmm. For homeschooling families, but for families that aren't homeschooling, most of that was relevant across the board. Really, really helpful information. Oh, good. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you so much for being here and coming back again. I'm I'm thrilled. Oh, let's remind people where they can find you. So um, bluecollarhomeschool.com, the website, lots of resources there. And uh, your Facebook group, also Blue Collar Homeschool, and your book club. Yeah, but yeah, we have a, a, a book group. We read three or four books a year and then we discuss them online, one question a day. So anybody can pop on anytime they want to and participate in the conversation. And it's just blue collar homeschool book group. You know, you can just look that up on Facebook as well. Okay. Anything else I'm missing or did we cover that all? I, I think for the moment, that's it. <laughs> well, thanks again for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Betsy. I appreciate it too. Well, that was a great conversation with Cindy LaJoy. Cindy's been on the podcast before, and she is always a pleasure to talk to and a breath of fresh air. Um, Her group, the Blue Collar Homeschool Group on Facebook, is definitely worth joining if you're the parent of a homeschooler. But even if you're not, there's so much great conversation in there and helpful advice for parents whose kids might be taking an alternate route. I love where Cindy talked about treating our teens with respect and viewing them as just simply less experienced human beings. I'm guilty too. You know, a lot of the time I'll kind of laugh or roll my eyes at my kids and I don't really think about the fact that they haven't been on this planet as long as I have. They haven't had the experiences. They just don't have the knowledge. So I think we need to kind of cut them some slack on that and And to her point, treat them with respect no matter what. 
Um, and I think I'm also guilty of treating my teens younger than they are sometimes. I like to do things for them. I like to make them breakfast. I like to help them out with tasks. But if they can do it themselves, they should do it themselves. You know, my older son is about a year from graduating high school, a little over a year, and he's going to be out of the house soon, no matter what path he chooses. So it's my job to make sure he's equipped to do that. So this was all really great information. I always welcome hearing Cindy's point of view. And um, I, I really appreciate you being here. So all the links and references mentioned during the episode can be found in the show notes. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast player. And I'd love to hear from you. Message me on social media. Send me an email via my website. Tell me what you think about the podcast and if you have ideas for future episodes. That wraps it up for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Guilty Greeny. I feel like we should start off this show by saying it's nearly impossible to be 100% sustainable given the current world we live in. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Not a great analogy for a vegetarian, but you know. We're talking uh, about sustainability, maybe not the best analogy. Don't eat the elephant is the first rule of the Guilty Greeny. There's your first challenge of the week. Avoid (laughs) elephants. What they used to call frugal is now considered sustainable. It's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save money and help the planet. That's going to be our new tagline for sure. You can find Guilty Greenie on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Until then, stay curiously green. Green.